0: Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. The creation calendar, Yahweh's timepiece in the sky. Yahweh set his timepiece in the sky during creation week, which is why it can correctly be called the creation calendar. If we go ahead and take a look at Genesis 1 14 through 19, going back to the beginning is a great place to start where Yahweh did set his timepiece in the sky. So Genesis 1 14 through 19. Then Elohim said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and and years. So notice these lights were for signs, seasons, days, and particularly in in this case for my topic today. I want to draw attention to the fact that they are for years. There's a couple of Hebrew terms there that from the Hebrew text of the Bible that uh, I'll make some remarks on uh, later. The word otot for signs and the word moedim for seasons. Continuing with verse 15, it says, And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. Then Elohim made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Then Elohim set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And as you can see there, I've emphasized the fact that these lights were indeed to give light on the earth. And I'll make some more comments in regard to that in a few moments. So to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And Elohim saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And I also emphasized fourth day there. Let's take note that these lights that he created and hung in the sky for these purposes that he stated, this was done on day four of the creation week. Thus, the lights work in harmony to provide the calendar. Once again, we're told about signs seasons days years we know that a series of days makes up a week six working days and a seventh-day Sabbath and that cycle continuously repeats and we can find verses in the Bible about that and as a matter of fact in the creation story um, I haven't got it quoted up here on the screen for you but we know that when Yahweh finished the six working days of the week in Genesis 1 that he rested On the seventh day. In the Ten Commandments, he reminds us that he created the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that in them is, and he rested on the Sabbath day. And he commands us to do the same. And what a joy it is, which is why we are here today. Hallelujah. So the lights work in harmony to provide the calendar. You might ask, why is this subject important? It's important because it determines when we celebrate the special days Yahweh placed in his calendar. We do not arbitrarily decide these times Yahweh appointed them. For example, we could take note of Aaron and the golden calf situation in Exodus 32.5 specifically. Aaron proclaimed a feast there. He actually attempted to say that it was a feast to Yahweh. But as we know the story about the golden calf, that did not work out too well for them. And so you can't, we can't just arbitrarily assign special days and say that we're going to uh, celebrate a feast to Yahweh. These, these things come on Yahweh's timing. Just, f- just a moment ago, I, I got as far as talking about days and weeks, but I want to go ahead and also mention months. Uh, Yahweh's calendar brings about months, and it also brings about years. And, and so we have, this, we have this model right in Genesis 1, and then as time unfolds, uh, these, things, uh, these things consistently carry on. Uh, we can look today, and we still very, very clearly have days, weeks, months, and years as time goes on. So again, Genesis 1.14 states that the lights are for signs and seasons and days and years, but not a single verse in the Bible says this about barley. The Creator Yahweh established lights for signs and seasons and days and years on the fourth day of creation. Remember, I emphasized that when we were looking at the passage from Genesis 1. He did that on the fourth day of creation. However, vegetation, which includes barley, of course, had already been created on the third day and was not specified for signs, seasons, days, and years. And let's look at that passage for the record. Verses 9 through 13 of Genesis 1. So we're backing up now to day 3 of creation. Beginning with verse 9 it says, Then Elohim said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And Elohim called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And Elohim saw that it was good. Then Elohim said, Let the earth bring forth grass. The herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself, on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And Elohim saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. So very clearly we see that... These things of vegetation, which again includes barley, were created on the third day. And nothing is mentioned about these things being established for signs and seasons and days and years. That statement did not come until day four, as we already saw. So now I want to jump right back to verse 14, and let's look at what signs are. You know, this is one of the things that the lights were were, uh, set in place for, is for signs. It's translated from the Hebrew word otot, as I noted before in the Hebrew text. Signs are visible signals. Otot is the plural of Strong's Dictionary number 226, so if you... If you check me out, and I hope you do, in Strong's Dictionary you won't find exactly otot, you'll find the singular form ot but otot is what appears in the Hebrew text. Uh, Strong's Dictionary does not list all forms of the word Uh, but it does provide us a basic definition and it says in the sense of appearing a signal and so we see that a sign is a visible signal As I mentioned before, verses 15 and 17 state that the lights are to give light on the earth, confirming that these signs are visible. For example, compare a sign indicating a sharp turn on the road. This sign is visible and warns the driver to slow down. The lack of a visible sign is not a sign. Next, let's look at the word seasons, also in verse 14. This is translated from the Hebrew word moedim. And this is an important word because not only can it be translated seasons, it can also be translated as appointments, fixed times, seasons, festivals, and so on. And once again, it's the plural form of the word moed, which you would find if you look in Strong's Dictionary. So we have this word Moedim, and very interestingly, we can compare Leviticus 23, 4, which harmonizes with Genesis 1, 14, and we will see how that Yahweh provided for his feast days way back in Genesis 1 in the form of seasons or Moedim, his appointments. So let's look at these two verses side by side. Genesis 1.14, once again, it says, Then Elohim said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for seasons, or moedim, for and for days and years. Now let's compare that to Leviticus 23.4. It says, These are the feasts of Yahweh, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. Here we find a form of the word that's a little different. It's moedah in the Hebrew text, but it's also derived from the word moed. And so we can see the relationship here between Yahweh's feast days at their appointed times and that how the lights were set up for these appointed times to determine them way back in Genesis chapter 1. Yahweh's feast days are proclaimed at their appointed times. These appointed times, again, are governed by the lights as prescribed in Genesis 1.14. So in connection with this, I now want to bring in the spring equinox. Lights and the spring are light and the spring equinox. Light provided by the sun provides the marker for spring in the form of the spring or the vernal equinox. Vernal is another word for spring, by the way. And light from the sun provides uh, the marker for this. When the sun passes over the earth's equator, this completes one circuit of the sun and and begins the next. To avoid beginning the first month of the year in the winter, we wait for the spring equinox and start the first month of the year with the next new moon. And so I'd like to uh, hopefully uh, illustrate here the equinox for you. Um, It's really not a complicated thing, but it's a wonderful thing that Yahweh uh, designed into creation. So let me see if I can uh, pull up a uh, picture here that will illustrate it. nope oh, not yet. Oh, thank you. Somebody, I appreciate you letting me know that. Sometimes the I think the signal's a little delayed. But this picture, or this illustration, illustrates the equinox along with the seasons uh, that we experience as we travel around the sun on our Earth. So if we look here in the beginning of the year, in the springtime, we see that if we look at these sticks that are extending out of the illustration here this shows the axis that the earth is on the tilt of the earth about 23 and a half degrees but notice here at this time of year that neither the southern hemisphere nor the northern hemisphere is pointed towards the Sun they're both pointed out this way and so the sun is shining directly over Earth's equator and neither the north or the south uh, are pointed towards the sun. This is, this is when the spring equinox occurs. And I will talk about this a little more later about how that this is observable. Uh, one thing that I'll point out is that The equinox day is the only day of the year when the sun rises due east and sets due west. And from that, uh, the equinox can be observed. But as the earth gradually makes its trek around the sun, we arrive here around June 20th at the summer solstice. And the summer solstice is when the northern hemisphere is pointed uh, as far as it can be towards the sun. And so that's when we have hot summertime, of course. And as as the as the Earth continues its orbit around, we come to the autumn season, and the autumnal equinox occurs, or the fall equinox. Once again, neither the north or neither the northern nor the southern hemisphere is pointed towards the sun. The Earth, the sun is shining over the equator once again. Uh, on the equinox. We travel further around we come to what's called the winter solstice and at that point the southern hemisphere is pointed more towards the sun and they have summer down under in uh, Australia and uh, where Jennifer was from in New Zealand Uh, while we have winter up here. And so that illustration is probably up there going to be a lot easier to see than my, than my model here. But I like my sun-earth-moon model. I like to hold it in my hand and say I've got the whole world and the moon and the sun in my hand. <laughs> and uh, and I've, got this, I've got this set up to illustrate the spring equinox right now. Once again, I don't know how, how well you can see it out there, but I'm going to try to point this out. if you notice once again these are like like the sticks coming out of the illustration up there that the north and the south are neither one pointed towards the Sun however as the earth and the moon go around the Sun the moon goes around the earth we will come around to June at which time the north is pointed towards the Sun And then as we continue around, we come to September. Once again, it's like this. And neither the northern nor the southern hemisphere is pointed towards the sun. We have the fall equinox. Come around to uh, the winter solstice. And... um, The northern hemisphere is pointed away from the sun. We have cold weather, winter time. And then we come back around and have another equinox in uh, in March, which completes the circuit. And so, the equinoxes are really not that hard to understand. Uh, Many times when the word equinox comes up, it seems like people's eyes kind of roll back in their head and they think that it could not have possibly been understood or observed in ancient times, but as a matter of fact, it can be and was. Let get the presentation back up here. And I'll talk a little bit more about the equinox shortly, but a question may arise. But if the month of Abib is a month of ripe, harvest-ready barley, doesn't barley figure into the picture somewhere? Yes, it does. It naturally occurs at the time of the new moon following the spring equinox. This is when fresh, ripe, harvest-ready barley naturally occurs, barring extreme conditions such as flood, drought, etc. Interestingly, during such severe conditions, the lights still produce the scriptural year, which would be impossible to, de- to determine by non-existent barley. Another interesting point is that even barley method followers recognize the equinox when making their calendars including feast dates for the coming year. They know that if the new moon before the spring equinox is too early, that is there is too much time before the equinox, They are not likely to find, quote, green ears, unquote, of barley of sufficient maturity. I want to kind of switch gears now and address some arguments against the equinox. One of the big arguments against the equinox is that it is accused of being a pagan practice to observe the equinox. And I want to point out that equinoxes are not pagan. The first argument I want to address is the guilt by association argument. The guilt by association argument associates the equinox with paganism, thus leading to the unfounded assertion that recognizing the equinox in calendar reckoning must also be a pagan practice. In response, let me once again point out that the equinox originated in Yahweh's creation before pagan abuse. Later, it is true that pagans worshipped these lights, and we can even see this in Scripture. Jeremiah nineteen thirteen. It says, And the houses of Jerusalem and the houses of the kings of Judah shall be defiled like the place of Tophet, because of all the houses on whose roofs they have burned incense to all the host of heaven and poured out drink offerings to other Elohim." And so, when they were burning incense to all the host of heaven and worshiping it, this means that they were worshiping the heavenly bodies that that they could see in the sky. And so, yes, obviously, pagans abused Yahweh's creation, but that does not nullify Yahweh's creation. Observing the lights which Yahweh created does not endorse worshiping these objects. Another example that could be given is that every day of our lives we recognize that the sun rises and there is daylight and the sun sets and there's darkness and, and our lives are governed by the daily, the, the, as the days go by, we live each day and we recognize that we have one day and then we have another and another. We don't worship the sun, but we do realize that it comes around regularly and it provides days. For those who ignore the equinox because they think it is pagan, have they considered that pagans also worshipped Ceres, the Roman goddess of grain crops, such as barley? As you can see, these guilt-by-association arguments do not work. Barley is a part of Yahweh's creation, regardless of whether pagans adopted it into their worship. Likewise, the equinox is part of Yahweh's creation, regardless of whether pagans adopted it into their worship. Ironically, those who sometimes reckon the new moon before the equinox as the beginning of the year will sometimes hold their Passover worship on the equinox. Conversely, Passover worship on the equinox will never occur for those who reckon the beginning of the year with the first new moon after the equinox. The next argument I want to address is the Easter argument. Beware of this bait and switch scheme where the bait is set by making the factual statement that the Council of Nicaea in 325 CE included the vernal equinox in its formula for determining Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday falls on the first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. That's the formula that they came up with. Then, however, the subject is switched to the pagan origin of Easter. The assertion follows that, therefore, since Easter is pagan, that the equinox must also be pagan. In response, recall that the vernal equinox existed long before the Council of Nicaea in 325 CE. Yahweh designed it into His creation. Therefore, discrediting the equinox by associating it with the formula for determining Easter Sunday fails the test and can forever be laid to rest. For the record, the Council of Nicaea's method for for determining Easter Sunday does not follow beginning the scriptural year with the first new moon following the vernal equinox. Confirming this fact, Easter Sunday sometimes falls before the first new moon after the equinox, as it did this year, for example. Ironically, during the years when Easter Sunday falls before the first new moon after the equinox, the Easter formula aligns with the barley method for determining the first month of the year. Now I want to go on to address the idea that sometimes brought forth that equinoxes are man-made. Well, they are not man-made. Instead, they are beyond man's control. Man does not set the equinox. He observes it. Yahweh sets the equinox by the action of the sun, which He created, coursing through its circuit relative to the earth, which He created. Certainly these heavenly marvels are not man-made, instead they are the handiwork of Yahweh. Psalm 19:1 The heavens declare the glory of El, and the firmament shows his handiwork. So when we look around us in this beautiful creation uh, that Yahweh has provided and we look in the firmament and we see his handiwork, we look into the heavens and we see this this orderly creation that the almighty Yahweh has made it's it's a wonderful thing it declares his glory and it shows his handiwork as I mentioned earlier equinoxes have been observable from ancient times the only two days of the year when the sun rises due east and sets due west everywhere on earth Also, equinoxes are the only days of the year when a person standing on the equator sees the sun pass directly overhead. Of course, not many of us live directly on the equator, but nevertheless, this is a fact, that if you're standing on the equator uh, on these days, the sun sun passes directly overhead. Now, various methods have been used to observe the equinox such as building a structure where the sun shines directly into an opening only on the day of the equinox. I want to mention that our own boy Wilkes observed the equinox from his own garage. And the way he did this is he drilled a hole in the east wall of his garage through which the rising sun shined. And many, many years ago, I went out there early in the morning and watched this with boy. It's uh, one of my treasured memories. And so, this, so the sun shined through this hole. This beam of light went across the garage and the interior west wall on the opposite side of the garage reflected the sun with a dot of light as the Sun moved in the sky the dot on the wall moved correspondingly in turn boy marked the wall following the dot and here are some of his comments I've enjoyed my simple home experiments in locating the equinoxes this experiment locates both the spring and fall equinoxes End quote and that was in a paper that he wrote in response to some objections uh, to his article, Israel's Calendar. This paper that he wrote is entitled, What? Our Calendar Wrong? And uh, it was dated January the twi- 25th of 1989, and that quote is on page three. And so I also want to mention this article or this booklet that Boy produced called Israel's Calendar. uh... came out in 1988. And it's available from the assembly by request, and it's an excellent booklet. Voy had just uh, written this uh, at the time I met him. He uh, wrote it in, uh, it's actually dated July 1st of 1988, and I met him, I believe it was in October of 1988. Uh, I was at a, Melissa and I were at a feast site up in Arkansas, where I'm originally from, and boy showed up and and jody his granddaughter was with him and uh... and we had a we had a wonderful time at that feast visiting and boy and i played guitars together and uh... and boy invited us to come visit down here and the rest is history But i heard boy uh... present this uh... cat this calendar article at that feast by the way at a bible study and uh and i got to see uh... i got to see one of boys uh, many positive traits during this uh... during this bible study there was probably about eight or ten of us sitting around and there was one fellow in particular that was just arguing back and forth with boy something fierce and uh... so they they had an exchange back and forth for a little bit and uh... and then boy finally said uh... well i'm convinced we disagree <laughs> And, uh, and then it was over. <laughs> There's a few other facts to recognize that are, are, that are important to recognize about the equinox. Well, there may be many, but I want to point out a few more. That equinox dates vary from March the 19th through the 21st. In other words, it's not always the 21st. Even though March 21st is commonly claimed as the date, for the spring equinox. It's not always the 21st, that's a traditional traditional claim. The website timeanddate.com states, quote, many cultures claim March 21st as the date of the March equinox. In reality, the equinox can happen on March 19th, 20th, or 21st, end quote. the vernal equinox falls consistently within the range of march nineteen through twenty one because our modern calendar is so closely synchronized with the solar year matter of fact it's synchronized within one day every four years that's why every four years we have february the 29th because it's a it's a makeup day to keep the seasons and the months in line with the solar year So the earth takes about 365 and a quarter days to go around that sun like I showed up here earlier as it goes around. And that extra one quarter day per year requires an extra calendar day every four years. If we did not have that, the calendar months would slowly drift back through the seasons as lost time accumulated. And so if you can think of uh, like, a, like a pie, and if you cut that pie into quarters and if you used, let's say maybe you froze that pie. I'm out of my league here and talking about this. I don't know if this would work or not. But let's say you froze that pie and you ate one quarter of that pie. You got it out and pulled one quarter out of it and ate it once per year. Well, obviously that pie would be gone in four years. And so this 365 and a quarter days in four years we have an extra day that has occurred and February the 29th makes up for that day also it's interesting that uh, that the added day during a leap year causes the equinox to move back a day earlier and so like I said we have this window of the 19th through the 21st where the equinox occurs. It doesn't always occur on the 21st. For example, it fell on March the 19th, 2016, at 11.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time. And so the takeaway from this is, uh, don't be fooled by the common claim that March 21st is the date of the equinox. Also, I want to talk about the fact that equinoxes are not equal day and night instead there is another term equal lux, that means equal day and night and this is a this is a common misunderstanding that day and night are exactly equal at the time of the equinox although they are close to equal they are not exactly equal once again from the website timeanddate.com it says equinox in latin means equal night giving the impression that the night and day on the equinox are exactly 12 hours long. And even though this is common wisdom, it isn't entirely accurate. And earthsky.org states that a different word equilux, describes when day and night are in fact equal. And the timeanddate.com article also contains a table which demonstrates that equal day and night can vary by several days depending on location. And I want to try to display that table here. Um, I'm not sure, are are those figures big enough to make out? I hope so. Um, This is interesting. If we look at the approximate date of equal day and night, this table is divided by the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere and then the equator in the middle. And so the latitude, which is how far you live towards the north, depending on the location of of where you are at, approximate equal day and night can vary by several days. As you can see here, it goes from March 18th all the way down to March the 8th, depending on your location. And then in the southern hemisphere, it goes from, and some of these dates are scattered, I believe it goes from uh, April the 14th, yeah, maybe they're not scattered, April the 14th down to March the 22nd. That's for the spring equinox, and the other column is for the fall equinox. But that table shows how much variance that there is on this earth when it comes to equal day and night. And equal day and night uh, are not the equinox. The equinox is when the sun passes over Earth's equator. And so in our location, equal day and night occurs around March the 17th, um, which is anywhere from about two to four days before the equinox actually occurs. I thought it was also interesting when I looked at this table that even at the equator, as noted in this table, day and night are not exactly the same length on the equinox. Interestingly interestingly though, day and night are nearly the same length all year at the equator. Factors such as the size of the sun and and the refraction or bending of sunlight through the Earth's atmosphere combine to make the day slightly longer than the night at equinox. Moreover, the term from Scripture, the Hebrew word tekufah, also does not mean equal night. Instead, it refers to the course or circuit of the sun as seen from the earth. And that's what I want to cover next, is this important term tekufah. One of the issues related to the discussion uh, is whether the Hebrew word tekufah used in Scripture refers to the equinox. In Strong's Dictionary, it's defined as a revolution, that is, of the sun, a course, of time, or a lapse. And then those words following the colon and the dash are the different ways that this word was translated in the King James Version Bible. Circuit, come about, and end. Tekufa is used four times in the Bible. So let's look at the first one, Exodus 34, 22. In this case, it's used to refer to the end of the harvest or the agricultural year. It says, And you shall observe the Feast of Weeks of the first fruits of Wheat Harvest and the Feast of Ingathering at the year's end, or at the Tekufa. The next one is 1 Samuel one twenty. In this case, it's used to refer to the, the time of the human gestational period. It says, so it came to pass in the process of time. By the way, my quotes are normally uh, out of the New King James Version, so that's what that says. In the process of time, and I have the King James Version noted here, which says, when the time was come about, and again, these, these translations are, are translating the word to Kufa, when the time was come about that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying because I have asked for him from Yahweh." The third location is Second Chronicles 24:23. Here it's actually used to refer to the calendar year. It says, so it happened in the spring, or as the King James Version says, at the end of the year that the army of Syria came up against him, and they came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the leaders of the people from among the people, and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. And then the last one, Psalm 19:6, where it's used to refer to the circuit of the sun. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit, or tekufa, to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. And so we do see this word used in reference to the calendar year, Second Chronicles 24:23, and in that last verse, to specifically refer to the circuit of the sun. And then also in a general sense, Takufa can refer to periods of time, as we saw in the human gestational period, and then also to refer to the end of the harvest or the agricultural year another clue we have is the plural form of the word tukufa which is tukufot in in Hebrew the OT ending is a plural ending and there I have a quote here from the Encyclopedia Judaica's article on the calendar and it says about the tukufot tukufot, that as stated the four seasons in the Jewish year are called tukufot more accurately it is the beginning of each of the four seasons that is named Takufa, literally circuit. The Tecufa of Nisan, which is by the way, is another name for Abib, the first month of the scriptural year. The Tekufa of Nisan denoting the mean sun at the vernal equinoctial point. That of Tammuz denoting it at the summer solstitial point. That of Tishri at the autumnal equinoctial point, and that of Tevet at the winter solstitial point point. And so that's what the Encyclopedia Judaica tells us about tekufot, the plural form of tekufa and also have some historical documentation here from the Jewish Encyclopedia article History of the Calendar it states the history of the Jewish calendar may be divided into three periods the biblical the Talmudic and my comments are in brackets here for explanation purposes. That's a, the Talmudic is around 70 to 640 CE. And then there's the post-Talmudic period. And then it goes back to talk about the first period, that is the biblical period. It says the first rested purely on the observation of the sun and the moon. The second on observation and reckoning. The third entirely on reckoning. Also, a quote from the Encyclopedia of Religion and Ethics, the article Calendar Jewish. It says The term Tukufa, or course of the sun, signifies the moment at which the sun arrives at the equinoctial or solstitial point. It was regarded as as a matter of special importance that the month of Nisan should not begin before its Tukufa, beginning of spring, and a second Adar was intercalated as required. So I haven't talked about the second Adar yet, but just to quickly uh, point out what that is, is that sometimes there is a thirteenth month or a thirteenth moon cycle that is required to keep the year in sync with the solar year. The reason for that, real quickly, is is that uh, the lunar cycle is an average of 29 and a half days, which adds up to 354 days if you multiply it by 12. Well, the solar year, as we already talked about, is 365 and a quarter days. So that's a difference of about 11 days. And so, about once every three years, it becomes necessary to have a 13th moon cycle uh, intercalated, as they say, or inserted into the year. One other quote from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia article, Calendar. They refer to the first period which once again is the biblical period. They say in the first period the priests determine the beginning of each month by the appearance of the new moon and the recurrence of the prescribed feasts from the vernal and autumnal equinoxes. And so an equinox and Tekufa review is that biblical, linguistic and historical evidence confirms the connection between equinox to Kuva and the turn of the year and now we reach a point where uh... let's review uh, let's have a review of the creation calendar genesis one fourteen states that the lights are for signs and seasons and for days and years but not a single verse in the bible says this about barley Light provided by the sun provides the marker for spring in the form of the spring or vernal equinox. Oh, by the way, before I uh, forget, I also wanted to show you some um, some pictures that I took. Uh, this picture was standing outside my front door at the time of the spring equinox. Um, and this was back in 2013 that I took this picture but as you can see the Sun is is peeking over the horizon there and notice my neighbor's house over here to the right and the Sun coming up right there once again that's that's on the date of the spring equinox now as I talked about before as the earth goes around the Sun eventually Uh, It'll go through the seasons, and when it arrives at the winter season, the southern part, the southern hemisphere, will be pointed towards the sun, and we up here in the northern hemisphere are pointed away from it. I took a picture at the winter solstice on December 21st of 2012, and notice where the sun is on this picture. (laughs) No longer is it back over here. Here's that same neighbor's house right here. It's not back over here, it's way down here to the south. You can see the light in the sky uh, where it's rising there. And so you can determine this every year if you want to. You can look at where the equinox is. You can look at how far the sun travels and rises at the winter solstice. And I don't have a picture of the summer solstice, but if I did, the sun would be out over here somewhere. and it, It does this track every single year, like clockwork. Isn't isn't it an awesome creation that our Creator has created? Hallelujah. So when the sun passes over Earth's equator, this completes one circuit and begins the next. To avoid beginning the first month of the year in the winter, we wait for the spring equinox and start the first month of the year with the next new moon. Ripe, harvest-ready barley naturally occurs with the new moon after the spring equinox, barring extreme conditions such as flood, drought, etc., in which case the scriptural year still occurs as determined by the lights. Yahweh designed the equinox into His creation. Pagan abuse does not nullify it equinoxes are not man-made equinoxes have been observable from ancient times equinox dates vary although March 21st is commonly stated as the day on which the spring equinox occurs it can fall in the range of the 19th through the 21st equinoxes are not equal day and night biblical historical and linguistic evidence confirms the connection between equinox Kufa and the turn of the year. And I would just like to quickly say that there are some other things to cover in this, which I don't have time to do today. And uh, we've already looked at a lot of facts and figures. Uh, but I just want to quickly say that one of the most popular scriptures that enters this, dis- this discussion is Deuteronomy 16.1, which says, Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to Yahweh your Elohim, for in the month of Abib Yahweh your Elohim brought you out of Egypt by night. Once again, fresh ripe barley naturally occurs when establishing the first month of the year with the new moon after the equinox. Therefore, whether this verse means to observe the new moon of Abib, or whether it means in context to observe the month of Abib by keeping the sacred appointments it contains, such as Passover, which the verse mentions, and which does not occur until the middle of the month, neither are problematical for the equinox method. And there's some good evidence to show uh, why, why specifically that this verse may say to observe the month of Abib, meaning the sacred appointments within it. One other thing is the the uh, The talk about green ears and what is Abib grain. Evidence shows that Abib grain is grain that is already ripe and ready for harvest. And so uh, it's not a matter of going out through the countryside and searching to see if you can find some real early sprigs of of what you might call green ears of barley. It's a matter of whether the barley crop, is ready for harvest the feast of unleavened bread is a harvest feast they had the wave sheaf offering which was a cutting of barley a cutting of the harvest and so the and so and so the crops were ready for harvest and so that's just a couple of other highlights of course more time could be spent on that but in closing Uh, I want to encourage you to keep your appointments with the Creator. Remember, we read back in Genesis chapter 1 that Yahweh set the lights in the heavens for signs and for seasons, or for appointments, for signs and for seasons, and for days and years. And uh, I also want to say that I appreciate your patience uh, as I've gone through this. Uh, Once again, I know it's a lot of... A lot of facts and figures, uh, different information, but I appreciate your kind attention. And I want to finally uh, end by following Voy's lead and sign off in the same way that he concluded his Israel's Calendar article by saying, respectfully submitted, Chuck.